Welcome to the Star Citizen Neurocast, brought to you by Cognition Corp and its community organizations. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you the most up-to-date Star Citizen information and general discussion concerning game mechanics and lore. I'm Lumen the Hunter, and joining me today are Aidan from Hitcher 4. Hello. Furious from Evil Inc. Hey. Witch Doctor from Cooling Nation. Hello. And main member of Cognition Corp, Snip Atomic. Hello. A big thanks to our Patreon backers for funding our current giveaways and supporting the show. Patreon backers get to participate in exclusive LTI ship raffles, enter the referral code into advertised promotions, and for only 50 cents an episode, they have access to our pre-show podcast where we go over the news in greater detail. For information on how to support the show, visit us at patreon.com cognition. Come and listen to more of our lovely voices. You know you want to. This week for the official Star Citizen comlink, we had Citizens of the Stars with Brian Brewer and Torellian. This week in Star Citizen covered YouTube Citizen with Board Gamer, The Noob of Fire, STL Youngblood, and Tactical Advance. We had the lower post, Far From Home, Crawling Back, and the Subscribers Town Hall covering the flight balance changes. Bug Smashers had AI constellation crashes. There was two Anvil Hurricane Q&As. The Around the Verse covered the hurricane and character customization. And Happy Hour Museum pre christory and origin story covered the history of Chris Roberts' games prior to working on Star Citizen up till about Wing Commander Privateer. Is it just me, or are they really upping the ante with the number of videos and such that they're putting out? Um, well, we had Happy Hour replace Reverse the Verse, and Reverse the Verse was semi-scripted. Happy Hour is pretty much all made on the spot. Yep. So I think that what they're doing is taking the resources they had to Reverse the Verse, putting it into the like featurettes that we're now seeing, um, in addition to Around the Verse. And then Happy Hour is also giving us an additional hour of content. I suppose. It just it just feels like we're getting we are indeed getting something getting something every day now, aren't we? Yeah. Weekday. Yeah, every every day of the week um, up until Friday. Yeah, pretty awesome. I was super impressed with the uh, happy hour last week where they actually had people contribute to the creation process, and I'm hoping that we see that more regularly, like maybe once a month. I think that would be fair, and it can be something as inconsequential as a plant. Even having us make things that are inconsequential will make them more special when they show up in the verse. That was pretty fun. For concept art, we saw an image of the female avatar. We saw a picture of new shield generators. We saw the standard EVA suit for the UEE Navy. And then a possible copy of the UEE environmental coat, which came with the freelancer MIS. For development updates, we learned that they created a new animation tool for transporting things in and out of Maya faster and more efficiently, as well as we saw the first of the character customization tools that we'll eventually have our hands on, including armor and clothing, but also facial customization. We learned that the flash fire mounts are being revisited and will be uh, changed in the future. So the mount that goes on the Hornet, which replaces the ball turret with a fixed weapon, may not be the standard in the future, but we will hear more about that as they update it. As we discussed in the pre-show, there's there's a lot that they have to do for, and, and a lot of tools that they have at their fingertips for balancing this between heat, between heat production and energy and just changing the sizes of things i have no doubt they'll find a they'll find a good good middle ground for all of it it is kind of silly though to think of a hurricane with a size six gun on it in around the verse they mentioned modular locations are now being designed the first three variants of surface outposts we'll see include a hydroponic station a mining outpost and basically a storage bunker 
um, that both the inside and the outside will be modular so that they can repeat the, these buildings in a lot of different places without making them look all the same and it becoming stale. Uh, we also saw the oxygen breathing system this week for the first time, which will uh, sense when the character is low on oxygen and represent itself in a visual emotion blur effect on the character. The production schedule report was released this last Friday, and it shows a release date for Alpha 2.6.2 for March 23rd. The biggest things coming for us are the multiplayer mega map and some like serialized variables and other network improvements. Uh, there's also some UI fixes and small bugs that we're going to be able to see, but um, we should expect by the end of the month to be seeing the, the next patch and hopefully onward toward 3.0. Wreck, the currency used in Arena Commander, that has been fixed. It, a lot of people noticed that it wasn't adding correctly. They did put in a hot fix earlier this week. A uh, big development update for people who have a screen resolution that's not 16 by 9, they will be supporting those resolutions in 2.6.2. And I know this is especially bad for people using multiple monitors. During the Subscribers Town Hall, they mentioned that cargo ships essentially fly right now as though they were fully laden with cargo, so we should expect faster acceleration, tighter turning, things like that, once cargo's in the game and those ships are empty. However, they did say that don't expect a ship like the Starfarer to handle like the M50 all of a sudden. There will be dampeners in the flight computer that make sure that when you take a tight turn, you're not going to kill everyone the amount of G-forces in the back of the ship. Aww. <laughs> I know um, that's something you were looking forward to, Furious. Uh, we got our second look at the Solar System Editor tool, which the devs are working on to allow them to expedite the whole Solar System generation process. Uh, it looks really cool. I'm glad that they're getting uh, something to help make this whole system more efficient because they have over 100 systems that they need to make, and that's just the ones we know about. Something Tony Z talked about this week on Around the Verse was the Solar System Services, which includes mission generation, the shopping kiosk system, and commodities. The first to appear of those three will be the shopping service, which controls inventory, pricing, and demand levels, which then automates the creation of missions when the inventory in a shop is low on stock of a certain item. This will be an exciting addition uh, into the PU and a nice taste of what is to come once they actually have all of this complete. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for it. Uh, the Frankfurt Studio created a subsumption visualizer for the AI, which real in real time allows them to edit the subsumption tech so that when they're making missions, there's some expedited process for them to tell the AI what their priorities are in each given mission. And then there was a big talk about turret functionality. Now, they said that it came as a bit of a shock to them that the turrets weren't working correctly because in the internal builds, the turrets seem to be working just fine. And then when it goes out to the public and they play that version, turrets seem to break. So they are aware that turrets aren't where they really want them to be. Um, and here are some of the ideas they've thrown out there for ways to improve those turrets. They definitely want to fix the aiming stabilization so that when a ship is turning, the turret's gun does not turn with it, making it easier to aim. That's a, that's a given. But they'd also like to link the targeting computer between the aiming and target information the gunner sees and what the pilot is seeing, as well as improving multi-crew combat coordination with a shared HUD and UI system. That, that will be nice to see. Yeah, it'll be a big improvement. I mean, right now, there's no real advantage to being a multi-crew. Like, enemy ships spawn scaled with the amount of people that you have in your party. So if you have multiple people in a Connie, you get a lot of pirates, 
but it would be much easier to handle if you just each were in a, in a hornet. So in the future, they have to sort of balance it in a way that incentivizes people to actually want to be in a multi-crew situation. Another couple things they threw out, using the turret tracking to improve missile locks and uh, missile lock speed and strength, as well as a directional augmentation to radar and scanning gameplay. So that even if you're not actively shooting, you may have more things you can do as a turret gunner. The biggest thing I think they talked about adding, which I think would be a terrific addition, they talked about adding staggered fire to, to increase the rate of fire with the same power and heat costs so that you a player can either hold down the fire button and get a certain rate of fire, or they can learn the rhythm of that turret and, and ship and like basically tap the fire button repeatedly in the right in the right rhythm and get a better fire output. And this will increase the level of skill of the gameplay without punishing newbies too much. I I I'm not sure what I think about that. I mean, on one hand, it's it's cool that it'll be cool to have a a good skill based part to the to all of this, but shouldn't the ship be be able to automatically take care of that for you? Well, I think it's actually just an extension of how they do it for FPS guns. Um, take the ballistic SMG. You can hold the fire rate down. And you get a pretty good rate of fire, but it gets less accurate. And so if you learn to stagger your fire, you get almost as many shots, but most of them are more dead on. And so the newbie can shoot and not have a huge penalty, but someone who is more tactical and more skilled at shooting would have a, have the advantage due to their individual skill and not from like a leveling up system, not necessarily from having better gear. This is just based on skill. That's fair. They're adding more robust gameplay for turret gunners because one of the, my top concerns for turret gameplay was just what the heck are these people going to do? How are they going to have fun? Is anyone ever going to want to be a turret gunner or am I going to have to hire NPCs every single time? Yep, I fully agree. Anything they can do to make the turrets better is sorely, sorely needed right now. And their list of their list of solutions is exactly the list of solutions that has been posted multiple times on Reddit and the Star Citizen forums. Yeah. It's all good things. Very good things. For gameplay mechanics, they talked about how cargo will often be manually loaded, especially when cargo systems first come online or if it's for small cargo containers. And that full the first implementation of cargo won't be fully interactive, so you won't be able to open up cargo containers, take out what you want, reseal them, but eventually that is something they want to do. Go manually load your holly, goddammit. <laughs> yes. yes. Two months later. <laughs> Finally got all my potatoes on my holly. Um, decoupled EVA will be coming at some point soon. They wouldn't give us an exact date, but it does sound like it's almost there. They want it to sort of mimic the same control scheme as decoupled flight in a ship. And so that's pretty intuitive. And they realize that EVA movement right now isn't ideal. That's, a, that's appropriate. I think it's good. Good direction. And since they've openly said that they are abandoning docking collars and docking for small ships, their newly revitalized focus on EVA sort of necessitates a better and more fluid control scheme anyway. So this will just help everything. Uh, quantum travel initiation, where you quantum travel between different locations, 
will eventually involve more than just turning on your quantum drive and activating it. It's eventually going to be a skill-based thing where you have to power up certain systems, maybe input more navigation controls, where it will reward people who are good at, at starting up their quantum drive in cases of being like interdicted. Basically, it's giving pirates also a chance to attack certain ships before they escape because the pirate would need to be good at quantum initiation anyway. So it adds, it adds levels on both sides. For ships this week, we learned a lot about the Buccaneer. We learned that it's, all of its maneuvering thrusters are located on the body of the ship, so it can actually lose both of its wings and retain all of its maneuvering thrusters. Seems to me that that just means we should just chop off the, the wings of the Buccaneer and fly it that way. Well, actually, it's funny you mentioned that because the developer who commented on the forums about this mentioned that if you were doing a milk run and you knew there was going to be no combat, you could remove the, the turrets from the wings or remove the wings entirely, possibly, or just not have them and get from A to B without any issues. Now, I don't know if that's going to be true in atmospheric flight. I feel like it's the wings will do some stabilization. It's such an absurd solution. <laughs> So they did say that there was no external cargo being planned. They did end up removing the the weapon rack in the Buccaneer because there just wasn't enough space, but they added a footlocker behind the pilot's seat. They said that might fit a pistol, but will be usually filled with like uh, emergency survival supplies. For capital ships this week, they mentioned that they will be able to largely attack beyond visual range using their own instruments to locate ships they can't see visually or even relayed information from other ships that are ahead of them uh, scouting so that they can target a ship better, that they have no ability to see, even with their own instrumentation. There was a number they tossed out there was 50 kilometers away. Um, that might be for like the railgun on the Idris M, but it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. And so that if you detect a uh, capital ship, or maybe even before you're able to detect a capital ship, they're already able to attack you. They talked about cargo ships, noting that they will likely not travel faster than any of the fighters, and this is especially true for the larger cargo ships. Now, this isn't a limitation in the engine or anything like that. This is a, a conscious gameplay choice by the devs so that opportunities for pirates will exist and that escort security jobs stay in high demand. So, although I think... They've commented in the past that uh, mercantile jobs will be very, very lucrative. Places where there's a high risk, you'll have to pay for security. It's just the only way that you're going to make it there uh, without having to give up some or all of your cargo to pirates. So it makes sense. This is supposed to be a Wild West sort of scenario. And that if you don't have an escort and you run into trouble, hey, that was your fault for getting yourself into that situation. We learned a lot about the Cutlass this week. It will have lift seats that are comparable to entry speed of that of the Herald, but it, like all other Drake ships, will not have an ejection seat. Rather, the canopy will fire off, and then you'll have to undo your seat straps and then and basically float out that way. The rear cargo area of the Cutlass Black will have lockers for gear and or weapon racks, um, basically like the things they had to take out of the Buccaneer. And the rear entry, now that the docking collars are gone, will have an atmosphere shield for ease of boarding and exit in EVA without having to vent the entire area. Although the side doors on all the cutlasses will not have this atmosphere shield and will vent to space if you open them. I really kind of find it strange that the Drake ships don't have a way to get out quickly built into them. But well, the you should just have a, they should all have an ejection ejection seat. Oh, that's and extra in, cost, though. Instead of a normal injection seat, it should just blow off the canopy right in front of you. 
like the the rest of the the cockpit just explodes away and you're just left sitting there that's what the caterpillar does no i mean you you have your seat and that's that's all that isn't exploded oh. away they're they're very minimalist drake you're lucky enough that the canopy comes off you're in space <laughs> just get out of the ship i think that's their their mentality good luck <laughs> So here's a, an interesting thing that I talked about. The Dragonfly will not be mag latching onto anything, is what a CIG dev recently said. Now, they have said that the Prowler will be able to mag uh, latch onto larger ships for boarding actions. But it sounds like they don't want people to be able to ride around as though they were in like an atmospheric planet uh, on a larger ship using those mag latching. So that's interesting that the Dragonfly can't do that, but the Prowler more or less can. Uh, we learned this week that the Endeavor is being worked on. We saw some object containers on the file list and during Around the Verse. And then we had two Q&A sessions with the Hurricane, learning that it's technically faster than it is nimble. It's actually meant to sort of just fly in, do an attack run, and fly out. And so don't think of it as like an M50 with extra weapons. It's good at flying in straight lines but it doesn't have the power plant or thruster capability to dogfight for extended periods. Uh, unlike Drake ships, the Hurricane has an ejection seat for both its gunner and its pilot. So you don't have to worry about that, especially because you're essentially going to be running into trouble a lot with this ship. And that the gunner position will have access to certain things like radar and missile lock in addition to being able to fire backwards and things like that. Although if you don't have a gunner with you, they did say that you'll be able to in some fashion slave the turret to the pilot seat. And finally for ships, the Xeon Cartoual was mentioned during the subscribers town hall this week. And they noted that it does need a higher SCM speed to bring it up to its description as a good racing ship. And it needs more love in the weapons department because they don't converge that well. Uh, but the handling and maneuvering thrusters are essentially where they want it to be. So don't expect that to change at all. However, they did mention that the racetrack was designed well before the Cartuol was pitched and is probably not the best design going forward for racing. So we should expect some changes at some point. And someday we're getting that racetrack over at Grimhax, right? Yeah, so they mentioned that with 3.0, we're going to be getting uh, a bookie sort of guy who runs the racetrack at Grimhex. It's going to be in the PU. He's going to help you be able to place bets on races as well as giving you racing missions. So we don't know if those racing missions mean participate in this race and win, or it's like, hey, go into this race and purposely make sure this guy loses. So I think racing itself is going to be a lot different once you're in the PU and your actual character might die because people might be less likely to cut extremely tight turns and make shortcuts through dangerous areas if they know that when you die, you don't just respawn again in the middle of the race. But if they do and they manage to, they'll be legendary. That's actually a really good point. For miscellaneous Star Citizen news and contributions from the community, there were a few really good videos and items that I wanted to point out this week. Um, there was a video by Board Gamer item, about item 2.0, object container streaming, and the room system. All three of these are highly technical, and he has definitely done his homework. Uh, Malagos did a half-hour video on his website, StarCitizenDB.com, and the corresponding component spreadsheets overview. So both of these are highly technical, and if you don't know about the meta and don't really know how to use the uh, StarCitizen database website or component spreadsheet, it basically gives you a full rundown of what everything means and why it's relevant and how to find it. Malagos has done so much. 
I find it truly incredible how much how much data he compiles into a nice usable format with every single patch. Mad yeah. props to that guy. Yeah, he he definitely deserves recognition for how much effort he puts into this stuff. And agree or disagree with his perspective on the game, you can't argue against the fact that he has really put forth a lot of effort to try to make this game better. There was a video by Battle Nonsense on the Star Marine 2.6.1 netcode analysis. It's the same guy that did the netcode analysis for the original release of Star Marine. Basically does a breakdown of what actions take how much, how long to reach the server and back, what kind of lag you can expect, and how that might affect gameplay. It, he does a great job breaking down the networking system in general, as well as describing what's going on with Star Citizen's netcode. And we do know that once network bind culling is in the game, the amount of data that gets sent to the network and back is going to be cut down significantly. So, as expected, the net, the net code is not really all that good right now, and anyone who plays Star Marine can kind of tell, but it should be getting better with the introduction of 3.0 and possibly even 2.6.2. Did we talk about the, the flappy clothing? The clothing. It's flappy. It looks good. <laughs> That's true. Done. In other news, the VKB Gunfighter is now available. It's a new joystick from the makers of the VKB Black Mamba, which is a really, really high-end stick. Now, they do have another one, another stick coming out uh, later on that's supposed to be space game-centric, where it'll have twist in the stick itself. So it may be worth waiting on that, and it is quite expensive, but it's worth looking at. And finally... The winner of the Lego Ideas Contest was a set of five female NASA scientists from history that'll be immortalized in Lego. And that'll do it for this week. A special thanks to our sponsor, Intercellar Diplomacy. Visit them at robertspaceindustries.com slash orgs slash diplomacy. And thanks to everyone for listening. We'll see you in the verse. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I, yeah. I, I still stand by the Terrapin as the ultimate anti-Idris ship. <laughs> okay, I'm cutting that out. <laughs> <laughs>